0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers produce over 600 varieties, types, and styles of cheese. That's twice as much as any other state. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com.
0: This week on Meet and Three, it's our season four finale, and we're sharing some of our greatest kitchen joys. Maybe most people consider making it too much work or too messy, but this is the food that's worth the work and worth the wait.
1: You always know where the thing is because you put it away the right way the first time.
2: You just sort of stand there and you know, with your hand on your hip and one leg outstretched, glass of you, wine in your hand staring into the refrigerator going, okay, speak to me.
0: Oh yeah, what are you doing with the celery tonight?
1: I'm making a simple syrup for a gin cocktail with the
0: celery, and I also found a recipe for a celery soup that's going to use up the celery and the potatoes and some of that dill that we still have hanging out in there. <laughs> Tune in and be inspired to find the joy in your kitchen. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet in 3 wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd at Heritage Radio Network. Today we are going to hear interviews that I did in early July when I went to London to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Neal's Yard Dairy, which started out as a cheese shop 40 years ago and has progressively, due to the inspiration and hard work of Randolph Hodgson, supported the best cheesemakers in the U.K., I used to work with 3D Cheese. At that point, it was run by Deborah Dickerson and Diana Solari. And our major client, one of our major clients, was Neal's Yard Dairy. And we sold the cheese, oh, it might have been six or seven weeks before they, they were getting it from a boat in America. We sold the cheese to the best cheese shops in America and Whole Foods. I was delighted to be back at Neils Yard Dairy for the anniversary. I interviewed Jason Hines, David Lockwood, Sarah Stewart, and Bronwyn Percival. And it was a great party. Hello. This is Diane Stemple on Heritage Radio Network's Cutting the Curd in London to celebrate Neil. Yard's Dairy, Neal's Yard Dairy's 40th anniversary, right now sitting with Jason Hines to discuss cheese in Britain and the world and how Neal's Yard Dairy has had an impact.
4: Welcome. Thank you very much Diane.
3: So can you tell me your history first at Neal's Yard Dairy?
4: Obviously, the dairy is about to celebrate its 40th birthday tomorrow, in fact. Um, Would you believe on July the 4th. Oh, how um, nice. Yes, isn't that a tidy date? And and, uh, we'll be celebrating the actual party on the Sunday when people will be gathered. Um, And I've been in the company for nearly 28 of those 40 years.
3: Not 40.
4: Not 40. I did not found the business. Uh, Randolph founded the business, and I joined it um, in 1992, February. So, yeah, I'm coming up on my 28th year.
3: Okay. Now, how did you start at Neil's Yard?
4: Well, I I was always keen to um, embark on a career when I left university, uh, would you believe, to export British cheese. All my university friends thought I was taking crazy pills it was the most <laughs> preposterous idea
3: so you How had that I had idea that idea to and, export it, and, British and cheese. funnily
4: enough in recent uh, we moved um, uh, we moved to a new warehouse fairly recently and as we moved um, Katie who looks after our people went through some of the filing cabinets and and uh, funnily enough came across my original application letter oh. which was a hoot Um, What did it say? It said that I wanted to export great British cheese and that I wanted to come to learn about really good farmhouse British cheese Um, and that's why I wanted to come to Neil's Yard and I wanted to apply for a job in the shop and so that's where I started.
3: (laughs) So you started in the shop? Yes. Okay and learned about British cheese or did you already know?
4: I learned about, um, I I knew some, I Uh knew some, Um, uh, it was why I came to the decision um, to embark on a career to export British cheese because I, um, as someone who was a passionate cheese consumer from a very young age, mm-hmm. had, um, by the time I got to my early 20s, realized like many, like not many people around me in the UK, that we in the UK actually have great cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not only cheeses from France and Italy that were edible and delicious, mm-hmm. actually we have some <laughs> of our own. Yes. And so... Um, while I, uh, but but while I felt I was in a minority, a very small minority of people that knew this. And I thought, therefore, this would be a really good career path because not many other people would be taking it.
3: Okay. You're, and you were right.
4: It, so, it, so it would appear.
3: <laughs> now, did you sell cheese for a while? Yeah. How quickly did you become uh, more than just a cheesemonger? Um,
4: so, so I was selling cheese and continued to sell cheese in the shop you know, most days for quite a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the course of those early years, indeed in my first year there, um, it transpired that we had already begun shipping to a few customers um, in the US, the first of which was Zingerman's.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and so I did my first trip to the US with um, with Randolph Hodgson, the founder. Uh-huh.
3: Um,
4: uh, and that was in the year I began, 1992. And uh, and on that trip, I met uh, a few other of the owners of Zingerman's and uh, one of whom we have just bumped into in a restaurant here in London.
3: Yes. Yes, that's amazing. Mm. Paul Saganol. Okay. We just
4: serendipitous.
3: Yes, serendipitous. <laughs> but he's here for the anniversary. He is. Yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yes, yes. yes. Yeah. As he should be. Absolutely. Right, right. Okay. So, big question number 1. How do you feel Neil's George has affected the position of cheese in Britain?
4: And then the world. That's not that's not a that's not a very small question. No, no it actually.
3: says big question. Yeah, number yeah. one. And,
4: uh, it's a massive question. Yes, it's more yes, than yes. big. Well,
3: well, just answer briefly,
4: okay. if possible. Um, I would uh, maybe this is uh, not too big a statement, but I would suggest that um, a number of the cheeses that we've worked with, uh, and uh, you know, a number of the cheese makers that we work with over the forty years. and and, you know and some of those who now have you know I would say well known um, well known businesses around the world and successful businesses certainly might not have made it had it not been for the intervention of Randolph and the team in those early years uh, and the intervention of Neal's Yard Dairy I would totally agree I would you know I would businesses like um, potentially Colston Bassett Mm -hmm. um Kirkham's Lancashire, uh, Appleby's Cheshire. Uh, you know, there's a there's a list of what we might now refer to as sort of household British cheese brands.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I hate the word brand, but anyway, you know what I mean. Yes. Um, who who I think would probably not have made it had Randolph not arrived um, with with the Neil's with Niels Yard Dairy and mm-hmm. sort these uh, really high quality British cheeses out mm-hmm. because the market um, supposedly um, was not looking. Cheeses of that quality. They were looking for market. The market was um, supposedly looking for cheeses that were that were cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, um, you know, they, he was not interested in selling those. And so, Neil's Yard Dairy made it its mission to find the best British cheese and sell those.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to tell the listeners that we're near an archway, mm-hmm. so that you might hear the train trains going passing. by because yeah. we're in an arch. Or, or outside of an arch, that is where Neil Derry lived and newly lives.
4: So to be clear, what, um, just the the arch is essentially um, uh, uh, a space underneath a railway viaduct, which is arch shaped, and so there's a whole there's a there's a long series of these archways that run perpendicular to the, the, the direction of the viaduct mm-hmm. actually very good spaces for storing cheese uh-huh. um, built by the Victorians um, you know who in... In, the, in the much of these many of these structures were built in the 19th century Excellent. Um, so they built the you know the Victorians had a reputation for building large large strong buildings mm-hmm. um, and actually um, you know the, the, the spaces offer themselves up as really pretty good uh, urban caves mm-hmm. uh, the temperatures uh, certainly at the center because they're quite long um, you know the, the temperature at the center of these doesn't really change very much because you're fairly well insulated by brick mm-hmm. so if you're a cheese that's a good thing
3: <laughs> okay if you're a person not so good
4: it's not so bad um, <laughs> uh, but it's better if you're a cheese okay
3: okay so I just wanted to tell the listeners what they were hearing
4: yeah absolutely anyway
3: so I have big question number two yeah What's next? What should niels Dairy do now or in the future to protect British cheese or all cheese and share it even more with the world?
4: Well, our mission is to, uh, our stated mission is to improve British cheese. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that if we're successful in that endeavor then we will have worked to as part of a broader community of people who are also supporting british cheese because we are we are not you know we are not the only ones um, doing this work there are more and more really high quality businesses in the uk championing british cheese and that's a great thing okay. um, 40 years ago there we were i think more or less the only ones and mm-hmm. now there are more and so that's good that's good for the industry Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's good for the cheesemakers to have mm-hmm. more than one customer championing their cause. Yes. And so um, I would like to think that, you know, in the next 40 years, mm-hmm. um, that what we will see is a really vibrant, a really vibrant community of cheesemakers coming in um, to the industry that are uh, young and old, um, and that see that there is a career, that there is a future for them, um, because making cheese is um, not just a worthy endeavor, but actually a financially sustainable proposition. And and so I think that you know where forty years ago and even thirty years ago, cheesemakers and farmers couldn't really consider their cheese making endeavor as a worth as a worthwhile you know as a financial viable financial proposition mm-hmm. um, now, they can. N- now now, more and more can and that is that is an environment that's going to encourage younger people who are really passionate about cheese making to actually consider it as a vocation mm. and so I think in this you know uh, I think that um, as um, you know as the community um, uh, becomes more diverse um, that we will see people making more Traditional British cheeses like what we call the Territorials, the Lancashires the Cheshires, mm-hmm. the Phillies, Double Gloucesters, Leicesters and so on. Um, you know, I'd like to see more of those producers uh, than the very small number that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, we are seeing more producers from, um, you know, more producers making Non-traditional Brit- uh, British types, I saw French a styles. A lot
3: of goat and sheep yeah. at, uh, at the London cheesemongers. Yeah, 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 today. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, no. and
4: we we supply um, all of that cheese to them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and so I would say that t- 25, 30 years ago, when I started, the cheese that w- were made, the cheeses that were made to those more continental style recipes, mm-hmm. um, were nowhere near. As world-class as they are now, right? So that's great. So we now, yeah. So we now have some. We have a much greater diversity Mm -hmm. in the range of farmhouse cheeses that are made in the UK, and that's Mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I would like to see, um, you know, I would like to see more producers coming into the industry, championing those varieties that have been native to the UK for centuries, and I'd like to see, um, you know, the public and cheese shops embracing those varieties more than I think they have uh, in the last forty okay. years, okay. much more in the next in the mm-hmm. next 40. Okay, okay.
3: Well thank you very
4: much. You're most welcome. Okay.
3: Goodbye. Right. Bye for now. This is Diane Stemple on Heritage Radio Networks Cutting the Curd in London to celebrate Neil Neil's Yard Dairies. 40th anniversary. Right now, I'm sitting with David Lockwood to discuss cheese in Britain and the world and how Neal's Yard has had an impact. Welcome, David.
5: Ah, thank you, Diane.
3: So, can you tell me a bit of your history with Neal's Yard?
5: So, I came over here in 1991 to learn about maturing and selling British cheese is mainly maturing. Before that, I'd been working at Zingerman's as the manager with Deborah Dickerson.
3: Uh
5: And we were the first ones to import the Niels Yard Dairy cheeses while it was in 1990. And that's when I met Randolph Hodgson and Jane Scotter, who was a partner in the business at the time. And they invited me to come and mature with them if they wanted. And I thought it was a great idea and took that opportunity, came over for two years. We were still in Neil's Yard itself. um, In Covent Garden. In Covent Garden, around the corner from where the shop is now. We moved out there in July 92. And it was a lot of fun because we had different maturing spaces to work in and to learn about. And I went back to the States in... Uh, the summer of 93 because my papers were up
1: uh-huh.
3: and continued- we are hearing the trains going by again in this portion of the show and continued
5: uh, selling Niels dairy cheeses working with Jason Heinz who is now my partner in the business um, we were all over the place talking to lots of really interesting people were you working at Zingerman's I know. When I went back, I worked uh, independently, so I was doing work for them. I did work for the Veya family, who bring in Lesternell Oil. Did work at Oakville Grocery, at Dina and DeLuca. Just a bunch of different things. Uh, but my favorite, and what I thought about most, was cheese and Nils-Yard Dairy. And went in back, did a graduate degree at Georgetown, and MBA. And even worked a summer on wall street as an intern.
3: Oh my gosh. It was What were you thinking?
5: Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking this is not for me. <laughs> and did then,
3: you know it beforehand?
5: No, 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 I wanted to try it because uh-huh. that's well, the that kind of thing it. you do. Um, but then was speaking with Randolph the whole time and he's like, come back, come back, be a partner. Uh-huh. And so then when I finished school, finished Georgetown in, Uh, 98 and moved back to London that summer. I've been here since.
3: Oh wow! So you have many years in cheese business and at Neals Yard.
5: Yeah, so a nice, nice smattering of of different things. Uh, Went to American Cheese Society conferences in the late 80s and early. Oh, in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, judged with uh, Jean Claude Lejoan in the at the. Conference in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, still active in American Cheese Society uh, on the judging and competition committee, and also always try and attend the conferences. Mm-hmm. So keep my hand in that. Um, mm-hmm. Do lots with cheese here, and have through the dairy made made friends, acquaintances, and with people throughout. The cheese business in Europe, in the States, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. a good thing.
3: Yeah. Now, okay. Big question number one: How do you feel Neosier Dairy has affected the position of cheese in Britain and then the world?
5: Neosier Dairy. Um, how have we affected cheese position in the in world Britain and in and Britain? The world. Um, big question. I think that we were really lucky to have Randolph Hodgson found, you know, as a founder of the business because he's, he's truly a contrarian. And that really speaks to me because I'm, I'm a bit of a contrarian too. And so at a time when other people were always looking to the continent or to factories for a cheaper, more consistent bit of cheese, Randolph, was more interested in looking at what it could be, what it would be like, not necessarily what was in front of him. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the dairy became involved with buying cheese from a number of producers who were then encouraged to continue making cheese the way they had been making it uh, historically. And... This, in turn, meant there was a bit of a future for cheeses that were reflect well, reflective of British farmhouse cheesemaking tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, it's evolved quite a bit since, um, well, since, since ninety one. Well, ninety one. But, <laughs> but I was thinking more the turn. You know the early uh, 1900s ah. and so when it, it's one of those things when people talk about traditional, it, it's a word that kind of gets a bit under my skin mm. because what is traditional, a lot of what people call traditional today was invented in the 1960s mm-hmm. so if we call it um, historically accurate mm-hmm. <laughs> or re- historically representative of the UK cheese making tradition mm-hmm. Um it, Whatever a little side pedantic side point. But but um, but but Randolph Randolph basically said, This is interesting stuff, we could sell it if people tasted it. And, and you and have always we, been
3: known for handing people the cheese. So we
5: give tastes. Yeah. And yeah.
3: Off and the so off
5: the knife. Off the knife. And we because British uh, people are a bit uh, shy, we try and do that before anyone has to speak.
3: Yeah. And
5: yeah. and it's a really nice technique. We
3: did that too. To me, in the shop uh, at Borough Market,
5: yeah, I'm glad you've, you you said that ago. because if they hadn't, they would have been <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, uh, but the so the way we sell cheese is quite different. Uh, the influence internally, in you know, domestically, it has provided a a place for um, cheesemakers to sell cheeses that aren't supermarket cheeses Mm -hmm. in a better way. I think our influence uh, in the States, it's harder for me to speak to directly because I'm not there, Mm -hmm. but I know that a lot of people who are really good cheesemakers and retailers have spent time with us Mm -hmm. Um, on the cheesemaking side. You know, say... Andy Hatch and Mateo mm-hmm. and uh, my brother-in-law, Alex Cast at Chapel Hill Creamery. Oh. And, um, you know. You didn't know he was
3: your brother-in-law. Yes.
5: Yeah, Je- Alex is Jennifer's youngest brother. Uh, and, um,
3: oh. Oh, that way. Yeah
5: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so, I mean, the, on the cheese side and on the monger side, we, we've had loads of people come and work with us, visit us. Mm-hmm. Um, from
3: And you're very generous with your time and attention well, to everybody from America, I feel.
5: We, we try to give back. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, we, I, I imagine we are. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's a good thing. I, I don't want to work in a place where you wouldn't be. Right. And to be to be blunt, people in the States... Have been and in Europe have been very generous with their time for us as mm-hmm. well. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't do it as a tip for time ta- kind of thing, but uh-huh. but it works, it does work, it and and I think it's a really good thing. And I think it's kind of special about our industry, um, because people are really open and not afraid to share, not mm-hmm. afraid to mm-hmm. tell. Uh, it's been trickier in Europe actually, in some ways, because it is much more of a closed shop, mm-hmm. uh, especially. In a place like France, where there are competition is a much more serious issue. You know, we we don't have that many producers, so mm-hmm. it's really in their best interest to band together and mm-hmm. to, to try and keep the whole thing going. Whereas in France, if you're a farmhouse revolution maker, you're one of over 40. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a totally different world. Mm-hmm. And so... so with a small cheese. With a small cheese, <laughs> um, but but it does you know it, does, it One of the things that Randolph did, and we continue to do, is you know we don't sell cheese as Neils Yard Dairy Cheddar. We sell it as Montgomery's Cheddar, mm-hmm. and then we say it's aged and or selected mm-hmm. and aged by Niels Yard Dairy. Mm. But that was not the way things worked back oh. in the day, right? And that that so stuff like that. It's so you it's kept important. the
3: name but the claimed the aging
5: well, or, or, or selection or whatever right, right. or just that we work with them right. but but i guess what's important is for us we needed to ensure that the producers got the recognition they needed because we need them to stay in business
3: right in order right.
5: to have a british cheese industry right
3: okay what do you think big question number two ready what do you think what's next what, what should Neal's Yard Dairy do now or in the future to protect British cheese or all cheese and share it even more with the world?
5: Wow. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're struggling with this right now. We're not struggling. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of grinding our way through it of mm-hmm. what's next.
3: Though so you and certainly have expanded.
5: We have expanded. Uh, and to date, we've expanded somewhat organically Our new, mm-hmm. our new premises... Is uh, we we took it on because our old place was going to get monumentally expensive very quickly, mm-hmm. and by taking on this space, we're actually, as of next year, paying less rent for nearly double the space. And
3: it looks so much nicer. Oh. I mean, had the old place gotten nicer? I haven't uh, been there I, in a
5: long time. Well, it's gone now, but um, <laughs> there were. I suppose. I suppose there were. I I don't know when you were there last, but um, there were bits that were good. There were bits that weren't so good. But you could say the same about here, if I Mm -hmm. could.
3: This is is very nice looking, right where we are in the uh, the Arch 6 entrance, visitor's Mm -hmm. entrance.
5: Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's it's similar to where we were. I mean, we control it better so we could do more Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there are things that aren't right about it either, that... uh, (laughs) Yeah. if I if I could if I could switch the clock back I would definitely change okay. but okay. Of course. Um, where we're going so uh, the question is how do we expand and well actually let me rewind uh, we we have a we we're a business that spends a little bit of time staring at our navel and uh, <laughs> When, and, and when we do that, we talk about things like missions and objectives and that sort of thing. And our mission is to improve British cheese. And so everything we do kind of needs to hang from that. And we need to understand where we're going to improve British cheese. What, what do we need to do? We know we need to ensure that... What we do is, is not like some sort of charity boutique kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's got to be economically sustainable. Mm-hmm. So, for me, things that say we're doing a good job are when uh, generations succeed one another in a cheese making business. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, with the Applebee's, Paul and Sarah, the third generation, have taken it over. Mm-hmm. That's success. Mm-hmm. Um, And we want to see more of that. We want to see more people coming into the industry Mm -hmm. and doing a great job making cheeses. We're really keen to buy and sell, Mm -hmm. right? And we're also looking at how can we uh, get the industry strong enough that people want to open up cheese shops? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how can we get it strong enough and economically strong enough to make it so that people see being a cheesemonger as a viable career right. Right. and so these are these are big fat long-term goals that we're we're talking about <laughs> yeah. and and they're really important
3: thank you David Lockwood for joining me today it's been delightful to talk to you as usual <laughs>
1: Since the mid-1800s, before Wisconsin was even recognized as a state, its resident cheesemakers have been putting the art into artisan cheese. When early settlers from Switzerland, Germany, and Italy came to Wisconsin, they brought their cheesemaking expertise with them. They chose Wisconsin because the terroir reminded them of the homes they'd left behind in Northern Europe. The soil and water of Wisconsin is nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin's cheesemakers draw from their rich European heritage and cheesemaking traditions, and combine them with incredible innovation to produce half of the nation's specialty cheese. Wisconsin cheesemakers never stop experimenting, trying to improve, and dreaming of your next favorite cheese that has yet to be imagined. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com.
3: Hi, this is Diane Stemple on Heritage Radio Network's Cutting the Curd in London to celebrate Neal's Yard Dairy's 40th anniversary. Right now, I'm sitting with Sarah Stewart to discuss cheese in Britain and the world and how Neal's Yard has had an impact. Welcome, Sarah.
2: Thank you very much.
3: So can you tell
2: me your history with Neil's Yard? So I have been at Neil's for 20 years. I started in um, the shop in Covent Garden and I worked there for a couple of months and then Jason realized that I could use a computer. So very quickly I started doing um, the paperwork for the cheese that we send to America. Uh, And at that stage, it was quite small, so uh, called some of the customers, uh, did all the paperwork, tasted the cheese, packed the cheese, worked with Deborah and and Diana, and did some of the the trips. And um, at that stage, we were shipping every two weeks. And I used to taste the cheese that we were sending to America with Randolph.
3: Mm-hmm. And um, or did you do the
2: meetings on the phone? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So we would call um, and um, call uh, customers on, from the phone, and also talk to Deborah a lot and send uh, faxes. At, still at that stage of what we were tasting, mm-hmm. and what was it? it mm-hmm. um, what what it was tasting like? And um, through tasting with Randolph every two weeks, uh, really got to uh, understand, you know, what we were looking for and really enjoyed the tasting. And when the buyer at that stage left, I started doing that.
3: Ah, started buying the cheese from the cheesemakers in, in this country.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. so uh, working with Randolph, and and David Lockwood uh, and doing some of the selection visits and just, you know, the ordering, making sure that we had the right amount. Learning more and more. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, and that really started from um, choosing the cheese to go to America. Mm-hmm. And then I had a break, and I, when I came back after a year, I uh, started working on, on the floor. So always working with the cheese and... Selling it, cheese? Or um, looking after the cheese in the maturing mm-hmm. okay. rooms. And, uh, yeah, really enjoyed being on my feet and doing the physical work of of the affinage. Uh-huh. And...
3: Um, so learning another whole part.
2: Yeah. And, and I guess when I first started, everybody did a bit of everything. So you would... I right from the get go, I, I would have always been looking after the cheese. You know, turning the cheeses. Maybe that was one day a week, or you mm-hmm. know, you would have. Everybody would have done a bit of a bit of that. And then as the company got bigger, bigger, there became the dedi more of a a dedicated team mm-hmm. cheese shift. Mm-hmm. which is still what it's called, mm-hmm. and um, working with that. And that's really, you know, what I've been doing ever since.
3: Okay. So you are now a partner? Yes. And that is with David Lockwood and Jason Hines and who else?
2: John Tash. Okay. He's the uh, the FD. Randolph is, Hodgson uh, is still, still a partner, um, Anita Leroy and... Bob Coleman is, is, is a director, but not a partner. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're the newest partner? Yes,
2: the newest okay. as of this year. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, nice to, to be a partner in my 20th year.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so so did you love cheese when you started at Neal's
2: yeah. Yard? Always, always, always loved cheese. And when I saw there was a job advert to to work in the shop at Covent Garden, and I, uh, I thought, I saw it, and I was like, oh, I like cheese, I'll, I'll do that for a year or two until <laughs> I decide what I really want to do. Right, And right. then... Um, it, it sucked you in. Absolutely. I've uh, <laughs> totally been um, sucked in. And, you know, Neosha Dairy is such a, uh, you know, a great place to work, and mm-hmm. um, it really, you know, it's got a, a nice ethos and um the people are really amazing and so yeah it's definitely my home Uh uh uh-huh
3: okay so my first big question is how do you feel Neil's Yard Dairy has affected the position of cheese in Britain
2: and then even the world so um you know I think when um Neil's Yard first started the, um, the likelihood of raw cheeses continuing um, was slim. Yeah, and so I think from from that point of view, you know, Randolph's worked uh, with other people to make sure that the industry can continue. This is pretty important, mm-hmm. and um, and that was his purpose. Definitely, and he, um, you know, he's always been. A, um, the producers have always been front and centre of, of of what we do and especially what he he did and um, making sure that um, they get paid well and paid quickly so that they can um, continue to do what they do um, and just being um, an advocate for the, the amazing things that they do and the amazing cheese that they produce and I don't know that there was ever a um, in the beginning uh, like we want to showcase the you know the the most amazing British cheeses uh, in in the world to to get them out there. But it was just you know Zingerman's, uh worked really hard to to get the cheeses from the Ajay Dairy over there, and mm-hmm. it's sort of accidental mm-hmm. and um, because of the relationships. Yeah, so I guess when when at first, when they, they must have come to visit and enjoyed uh, the cheeses and sort of, uh, you know, made it made it so it had to happen mm-hmm. that we...
3: And I just met one of the owners of Zingerman's, Paul...
2: Saginaw, yeah. Outside. Yes, yeah, so he's here for the 40th birthday too. Yeah. Which is very exciting. Yeah, it's nice that that relationship continues. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, you know, just trying to uh, make sure that we've got amazing cheese.
3: We just had an interruption of a coffee edition. Okay, so um, that's great. Now, what next? What's next for Neil's Yard? What should they be doing now or in the future to protect British cheese? or all cheese and share it with the world or what? what's next?
2: Well, um, I think, you know, at, at its core, you know, so dairy is about the territorial. So the very traditional British cheeses, you know, like Applebee's Cheshire, Kirkham's Lancashire's, um, Lancashire, and I think um, working with the producers to make sure that those cheeses are, Continue forever mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know they're the they're really the last of their kind and they're really the most um, important British type of cheeses. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's that's the direction of what Nilsford mm-hmm. should be doing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, giving the opportunity for hopefully new producers to, to come into the into the industry. Uh, so they've got a good marketplace to sell their their uh, cheese and um, to encourage you know second generation mm-hmm. third generation mm-hmm. uh, to to stay with the um, family businesses mm-hmm. and hopefully um, bring new people into the business mm-hmm.
3: I took just took the tour with Owen yeah. and he I saw all the cheeses we don't get in the united states the small ones the goat ones just amazing bunch of of english cheeses that we don't even see
2: and um we and that is
3: are are they um traditional or are they new to britain
2: no not um i think most of them are you know from a french style yes
3: yes but but made in Britain. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So yeah.
2: everything, yeah, everything that we have here is is um, is British and Irish. Um, we have a, a few continentals, but the uh, you know some of the soft cheeses that we sell, um, uh, I, you know, I really feel their their competition for their French equivalent. So mm-hmm. um, we sell Innis Log and Innis Brick and um, in the same way that we. Have uh, really worked on our maturing of soft cheeses. Um, those guys, as as producers, have really worked on on how they're making mm-hmm. and um, yeah. and are they raw? Yeah.
3: Ah. And France can't. Can they still send
2: raw here? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we. Because they don't
3: send it to us anymore. No. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because um, probably the. Um, it has to be 60 days old the, mm-hmm. for it to be in America. But over here, the, we don't have that restriction, mm-hmm. which is, you know, incredible. Right. And, um, yeah, those those are a lot of, I think, maybe in the last 20 years, a lot of the new producers have been in um, the small soft, uh, soft cheeses. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think perhaps more recently, people have, have been making... Um, more territorial mm-hmm. um, so we've got a few few new territorial producers which is great
1: mm-hmm.
2: excellent well thank you so
3: much for talking with me and I just want to say goodbye to Sarah Stewart uh, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd and uh, uh, the party's coming up
2: yeah Right. excellent it.
3: okay bye bye Let me introduce my last guest, Bronwyn Percival, who has already been on Cutting the Curd discussing her fine book, Reinventing the Wheel. While not a partner at Neil's Yard, she's been there a long time and has a lot to say. Welcome, Bronwyn. I'm trying to collect people who work at Neil's Yard Dairy to ask them different questions about the anniversary and about the momentousness of Neil <laughs> Yard Dairy, and um, welcome. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here talking with you. Great. So anyway, my first question is for our audience to sort of put you in the cheese world. How long have you been at Neal's Jard Dairy? How did you start cheese? Can you give us a little info about your cheese life? Um, I started in Yard, at Neal's Yard
6: Dairy in August of 2005 and I think like so many people who work here sort of approached the job as a temporary position that would take me up through Christmas of that year and then I would go on to find something else to do and have a real career and um, one thing led to the other and in fact I've realized over the ensuing years that cheese can be quite a fulfilling li- thing to dedicate one's life to.
3: Fourteen years later. Fourteen years later. <laughs> Have you been here throughout?
6: Yes, okay. consistently through that time. I took a two-month sort of sabbatical to work in the lab of uh, Rachel Dutton and Ben Wolf at uh, at Harvard in 2014. And mm-hmm. again, I'm incredibly grateful to the hires up at Neil Dairy for having the vision and the, um, you know, the generosity to allow me to go and do that.
3: Mm-hmm. So you've got to learn. In the, in the lab. Yes, exactly.
6: I mean, I think one of the things that strikes me is how permeable the um, conversations within the cheese world are with other things going on within the scientific community and within... Um, you know other industries as well things like the wine industry and one of um, one of the things that I have felt has been the most enriching about my work here is being able to look outside the cheese industry to draw in ideas that we can apply to our everyday work and so that two months with Ben and Rachel was really um, I would say quite important because it really gave me a much better idea of how microbes work, how microbes think, to use a very anthropomorphic term, but how we can sort of understand them as our allies, as our foes, and really um, apply that knowledge about the the big structural ideas about microbiology to our work with cheese here.
3: Okay. So now... When you started, were you behind the counter at first? Yes,
6: I was a cheesemonger at the Borough Shop. Mm -hmm. um, And I did that for the first, must have been through Christmas, so Mm -hmm. the first four months. And then after that, Mm -hmm. I took a part time job uh, working with and Hastings in the quality assurance department Mm part-time and then working behind the counter for the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I had been here for about a year, um, Sarah Stewart, who Mm -hmm. I think you've just spoken to, who was the buyer at the time, had decided to go off with her partner, Ewan, and uh, travel around the world. And so that left a space um, in the position of buyer, um, Mm -hmm. which I was incredibly lucky to have offered to me.
3: Okay so pretty quickly you became the a buyer of, of English cheeses or
6: I mean of, of the of all the cheeses that uh-huh. we were buying mm-hmm. um, we don't di- really differentiate between different kinds of cheeses in our buying department um, mm-hmm. now I work with a colleague Terry mm-hmm. um, who does the day-to-day buying while I manage that and also the quality assurance for the company uh-huh. so okay. my role uh-huh. now
3: quality assurance. In terms of what you buy, or the whole shebang, the whole warehouse
6: quality assurance for the entire company. um, Wow,
3: that's big.
6: Yeah, it is big, which covers everything from sort of supplier approval and making sure that the cheeses that we buy are not only safe, but also good tasting and helping people solve any problems that they're having in either of those um, areas, but also overseeing... Taster safety. Taster safety, Mm -hmm. um, and also overseeing our internal sort of systems to make sure that we are um, compliant and always working in a way that's protecting the integrity of the cheese that we sell. Mm -hmm. So actually I have a a colleague then who works with me on quality assurance as well and
3: I oversee um, both departments. So big question number one. How do you feel Neil's Yard Dairy has affected the position of cheese in Britain Mm -hmm. and or the world? Big question.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I mean for me the story of cheese in Britain is one that had a really dark chapter in the 20th century, Mm -hmm. and you can see that as the dairy industry actually grew, a lot of the cheesemaking faded into into history that a lot of people who had been making cheese on farms as all cheese would have been made, um, 150 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, gradually gave up as there were better options for them in selling liquid milk or the farming didn't make sense for them anymore. And mm-hmm. so we lost a tremendous amount during that time. And I think where Neil's yard dairy really played this pivotal role was in the early 1980s when the very last few farmhouse cheese makers were hanging on for dear life. Um, it provided a conduit to take those cheeses um, to a, a um, to appreciate them, yeah, to to appreciate them and to offer them in the in a new light to customers who really just thought that British cheese was only these plastic wrap blocks of supermarket cheese, and that only good the only good cheeses came from places like France and Italy. It provided them with a gastronomic context and celebrated them in the way that paved the way for this real resurgence of of farmhouse cheesemaking that we're seeing now.
3: And do you feel Randolph was primarily behind that?
6: Yeah, no, I think that his great great achievement was seeing that there was this opportunity, that there was this disconnect within the market between the producers who were making something interesting and the consumers who would love to buy it. And organizing that all around the idea of flavor was another really um, important part of it, that in order to be sold properly, these cheeses, which did have I can imagine then, just as we do now, a fair amount of batch variation. um, You need to be able to buy according to flavor and to know what you're taking home to have the confidence that you're buying the right thing, but also to give people the opportunity to choose according to the best flavor. Mm -hmm. When you set up that sort of Darwinian environment across a shop counter, and when you are really offering people the opportunity to taste before they buy, you reward the cheeses not according to a pretty label or according to a cheap price, but according to the thing
3: which needed to be saved at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And so Niels Jord did they pioneer the tasting? Because even now when you walk into a shop you're handed a knifeful of cheese so quickly like they don't know who you are and they're handing you a knifeful of cheese.
6: Now, I wasn't around in the early 80s visiting cheese shops, so uh-huh. I can't speak to that right. with absolute conviction, right. but I do have a sense that that retail style of taste before you buy and almost being tracked down and forced to taste something before <laughs> a piece could be cut for you and it would be put into your bag was yes. an innovation that Neil Shard championed. Yes. And I think it's very easy to take that sort of approach that we really take for granted um, these days of you go into a cheese shop and of course you're going to be asked to right. taste everything. Right. Um, sort of Some more than others. Some more than others. <laughs> and it always shocks me sometimes when I go into um, really good cheesemonger in France mm-hmm. and um, They don't do they, And they don't do that. I feel no. like I'm You're supposed to know what you want. Exactly. Or your patrician cheesemonger will help you. You will tell them what your event is and how many people and they will prepare the best cheese plate right. for you. Right. And you know sometimes it's nice to be surprised but I do think that it's also really important to give people complete information. Mm-hmm. I know that if I taste a cheese, and it's tasting really, really amazing, I might buy twice as much. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I don't get to taste beforehand,
3: I might be more wary about the, mm-hmm. the amount that I'm willing to spend. I was at La Fromagerie yesterday, mm-hmm. it's a Wonderful and shop. it's, you know, mostly European, mm-hmm. um, but they do have some Neil's Yard, and, and American even, mm-hmm. but um, they were... Pushing the cheese on me immediately, uh-huh. and once you're in the cold room, it's like, oh, taste this, taste this, taste this. <laughs> like, oh, no problem. And it's so refreshing in that European setting mm. to be getting to taste a lot of cheese. Sort of,
6: yes, the best of two different worlds. <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's yeah. For me, that for me
3: that approach to cheese selling is really fundamental. Mm-hmm. Okay, big question number two. Mm-hmm and then that's it all right i want to know what you think neil's yard should do now or next or to help things or you know what is next for neil's yard dairy i mean are you
6: asking me as my personal opinion or
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well maybe first the company opinion and then your personal opinion um i think From the perspective
6: of Neil Shard Dairy's... Mission. Mission. Mm
3: -hmm.
6: You know, they talk a lot about, or I should say we talk a lot about our mission being to improve British cheese. And I think that that is um, a laudable mission. And Mm -hmm. I think... Um, one of the things that also plays heavily on those conversations is how can we make sure that we're making money? because clearly, if we're losing money hand over fist, there's no way that we can accomplish the goals that we have of supporting right. the industry right and so the que- you know the question of how much can we grow and maintain that um, that commitment to all the things that we've held dear for Mm -hmm. uh, the longest time. I think there is a genuine commitment on the part of the directors to, um, to honor that, uh, that commitment to farmhouse, um, British cheeses and raw milk and real flavors while, growing, while growing the company mm-hmm. and while um, maintaining or building profitability. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like a very dry answer, but without <laughs> that, nothing else is possible.
3: Well, and they've expanded to the old arches, to these arches, where they're kind of becoming a business.
6: Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think these new arches are much 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 more purpose-built, much more fit for purpose than uh-huh. um, where we were working before. And mm-hmm. certainly I know that it's much easier to work here. And mm-hmm. they're designed for a specific, a particular amount of cheese. And I know that we have a, now a 30, to 35-year lease on these new arches. So mm-hmm. it sort
3: of sets the stage for what the scope of the company is going to be during mm-hmm. that time. And and aren't you renting to other food businesses that are like-minded? Yes, I mean the whole
6: spot terminus project, which I'm mm-hmm. sure the others have told you about, is very mm-hmm. exciting because it's sort of bringing together once again this community of food producers mm-hmm. to try to change a conversation within the mm-hmm. UK. And mm-hmm. so to see all of those businesses flourishing in a in a shared environment is really
3: inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. So, how about your personal opinion? <laughs> what do you think? Cheese should be doing now. Yeah. I think that's a, probably the better question.
6: Where where should cheese be going now right, that we've accomplished right. so much? Because I think the cheese industry has has accomplished a huge amount in the last forty years all around the world, mm-hmm. and um, we're having we're starting to have different conversations than just can farmhouse cheesemakers survive. You know, I've had three conversations today at this party already with different cheesemakers who have been attending conferences on things like sustainability and the impact of agriculture on the environment. And I think as the dairy industry stands right now, we need to be very cognizant of the way in which the larger conversation is changing and make sure that we are positioning ourselves in a place where we're part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's absolutely possible.
3: So I just want to thank you, Bronwyn, for coming on the show, uh, during a party. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been delightful to talk to you as usual, and I look forward to your next book or project. (laughs) Thanks so much, Diane. It's great to talk with you.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter,